you can be seated. We're, oh, no, wait a minute. we got to say our confession, if you'll put it up. Hallelujah. I haven't figured out how to do that yet. The only thing I know is to put that keyboard straight out in the middle. Hallelujah. My sister keeps saying, move that keyboard. I tell you, God is getting ready to move in supernatural ways. And if you will not wait till the end of the service, the middle of the service, after the service or whatever to receive from God, but move when God moves, you will get it. That's all I got to say. And, uh, you know, even in my old age, I'm getting braver. That when God says do something, do it. And this worship team had no idea. I mean, I told them this morning I might do this. But I could hear God saying, go in there and get those words. And what it says is, who can stand against the Lord? No one. Everybody say, no one can. But uh, then I could feel the anointing of God begin to move across this place. And that's the point when... When, when you hear those words, put your hands up, then you're just grabbing whatever's coming in the atmosphere, and you're taking it in. And that will change your life forever. 25 words, 50 words, a 15-minute message, God can do in one second if you grab a hold of that anointing and get it. And that's what's coming. In Jesus' name, I believe it's prophetic. I believe it's coming. I believe it's in the earth. But I believe people are going to be brave enough to go with it. Everybody say, I go with it. I go with it. Let's make this confession because that's why you're here on, on purpose. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Um, thank you, worship team. They're so good. They just, they just say, oh, there she goes. Somebody help her. <laughs> and John jumps up on that guitar and starts playing. I don't know what happened this morning, but praise God, God fixed it. Everybody say, things happen. This is what you do. Say that. This is what you do. Just keep smiling like nothing's wrong. I learned that at Victory in Tulsa because we had crazy things happen. And Pastor Sharon said, just keep singing and just keep going like nothing happened. One time she sang a verse to God Bless America none of us had ever heard in our life because she forgot the words to God Bless America to the verse. And she just kept smiling, and we all looked at each other like, gee, I never knew that was a verse. Cause, and she was cracking up after service going out the door saying, how'd you like that new verse? She... <laughs> But we all thought it was just a verse because she just kept smiling, singing like it was the real thing. Hallelujah. I have a word for you today. Your labor is not in vain. Everybody say, your labor is not in vain. I love this scripture, um, and God gave me this scripture about four years ago in a really hard time, which I'll talk about later. But it says in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all know this next part. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be I thought you knew it. Okay. Steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And usually people stop there. But then it goes on and says, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And sometimes you can be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But you begin to think, is this even working? Is this even going to happen? And uh, I believe God wants us to show us something today. Um, <clears throat> Daniel eleven thirty two says, those who know their God 
will do great exploits. And it's talking about a time when evil will be magnified. Evil, if you read the first part of that verse, evil will be magnified. Evil doers will be doing what they do. But those who know their God will be strong, number one, and do great exploits. And, you know, when you, when you say no God, it's different than just knowing that Jesus is the Son of God. It's different than knowing uh, who God is and knowing the stories in the Bible. It's a personal um, relationship that's so intimate with God that in the midst of all the evildoers, you still have confidence. I still have confidence that I know my God. Everybody say, I know my God. And victory belongs to Jesus. That's the truth. And therefore, we can continue to do great exploits. We can continue to do the things that God's calling us to do. And um, I was looking in First John, you know, that it says in my Bible, uh, this is a test of if you know God. And uh, I believe we're seeing this in the last days because if, if they take one of those polls that they take, it's, there's a lot of Christians, it says, in our nation. But Christians means that we're Christ-like. That means that our life reflects what's on the inside of us. And not that we always do the right thing, but in our heart, if we don't do the right thing, we know it. In our heart, if we don't do the right thing, we can repent. We, We can ask forgiveness and begin again and do whatever God's calling us to do and be strong and do those great exploits. And this is the test of knowing him, it says in my Bible, 1 John 2, verse 3. Now this, by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God, everybody say the love of God, truly the love of God is perfected in, in him. By this we know that we are in him. That the, we know we are in him because of the love that we have, no matter what the evil uh, is doing in the lives of a person, a situation. We continue to be able to walk in love because we know him. That is not a kind of love that is a feeling. It's a love that is a decision. We all know that. That's that agape love that he's talking about. But to know him is to love him and to love those he loves. With the love that God has. If he, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. In verse 9 it says, he who says in the light, he who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. That's a real example of what we're seeing in our world today. There are people who walk in the light, who live the commandments of God, and that doesn't mean they never make a mistake, but they know their God. They know he loves them. They know what to do if they make a mistake, and they continue producing a life that looks like the light of God, that draws people to them. The darkness, it says their eyes are blinded. So therefore, evil will do what evil does, and good will do what good does. Love will do what it does, and hate. Everybody say hate. You know, um, I was looking in John 15 because 
there's a world out there that hates today like never before. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. And if you look into the eyes of people, you will see. You will see the hate. Uh, I was watching um, Channel 52 because my husband watches Channel 52, which is Fox. And uh, they always have both sides of the situation. And they, it was so blatant <laughs> that this one person that was speaking was full of evil control. I'm not saying the person was evil, but they were full. They had, they had listened so long and lived in the darkness so long, they thought the darkness was true. Then the other person, you could see the light. It, it, was, it was obvious. How many of you know that today, light and darkness are getting more and more obvious? <laughs> it's not like there's a gray area. Uh, there, it, it's, it's dark. And in John 15, Jesus says in the book of John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Now, that may not make you feel better, but, but it's the truth. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. Uh, have you ever felt like somebody's just hating on you? Well, that's going to get worse. Aren't you you're all excited this morning? I can tell. Excited group. It's the truth. The hate is on. This, this election and this president that we have, it's not just because of Donald Trump. It's because evil, hate, is increasing. And love is decreasing. Because people are responding to the hate who are supposed to love. Now, haters are going to hate. I mean, they just put the hate on. I mean, they hate you. I used to get so upset because I like everybody to like me. And my husband says, you need to get over that or you're never going to be a leader. There's lots of things I got to get over to do what I do. But that's one that's really hard on me because I like people. I want people to be better. I want them. And some people that have grown in this darkness to a point, they just have the hate on. And it doesn't matter what you say. Or what you do, they're going to hate on you. And then to love on them is really difficult. You know, my husband says, you're not smiling. Sometimes I don't feel like smiling. But I want to tell you what will drive a hater upset. It's just to smile. And my husband always says to people, I understand how you feel. However, you're stupid. No, he doesn't say that. He just, <laughs> he just goes on from there to say what, he, what is the truth. But, but somehow with his smile, he seems to be able to, to hold back their hate long enough for him to say what he wants. And then they go right on hating him anyway. He doesn't know it, but I've seen it. Okay. Now, this is what it says in John 13. <laughs> it says in John 13, 34, Jesus said, I, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I've loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. And um, this has been very difficult for me in some situations because, um, you know, when people get that hate on, that just makes me, uh, it almost makes me fearful. I have, to, I have to really think for a minute. I have the victory in Jesus. You know, be steadfast, immovable. That means don't run and don't hide and don't quit talking and don't, don't stop being who you are just because the other person wants to be a hater, 
okay? So today I'm going to talk to you about Mordecai, who was a lover, a lover of God's people, a lover of his, his adopted daughter, Hadassah or Esther, uh, and Haman the hater. Everybody say, Haman the hater. And I believe God gave me this message because um, he told me this year to finish reading the Bible. I don't know why I have to be in such a hurry. But I'm all the way to Esther, just about to do Nehemiah, and I'll be done in about a week. I'm supposed to be done the end of the year. But he said it's important that you get done early this year. So I don't know what he's about to do, but I'm going to have time for it because I'll be done with my Bible reading for the year. But it's also because of the messages I think that I'm hearing as I'm reading through the Bible. And I needed to be here faster. And so we're going to go through Esther. It's going to be a really quick run through. I mean, like fast. But I want to show you, uh, when I read Esther, naturally, especially as a woman, Deborah, Esther, Ruth, they're they're all heroes of mine in the Bible. But uh, Mordecai, you know, God really brought my attention to Mordecai this time. And I'm going to start in Esther 2, 5. And it says, in Shusan, the citadel, there was a certain Jew. Everybody say Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemiel, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah, when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried them away. And in short, they went to captivity, okay? Now, Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful, and when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as her own daughter. I know, Bill, it was his cousin, not his niece. I always used to say his niece. Pastor Bill, when we get home, would say, honey, it's his cousin. So I'm corrected. I've learned. Are you ready? Esther, in verse 10, had not revealed her people or her family. In other words, she had not identified herself as a Jew. She had been taken in as a virgin to become the, one of the candidates for the queen because uh, the king's wife had not done what she was supposed to do. I'm not going to tell that story because most of you know it. But in her being disobedient to the king, she had been removed from her position because the, the, one of the people who consulted with the king said, if you don't basically get her out of here, and punish her, then all the men in, in the county or in the country are going to have trouble because one woman has come against her husband. So she got taken out, and they brought in these virgins, and Esther was one of them, but she was a Jew. Everybody say a Jew. Now, she would not, by her descent, be cap- uh, capable of becoming the queen, but nobody knew who she was because this is what it says. Mordecai had charged her not to reveal it. And every day, Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her. You know, Mordecai was a lover. No matter what happened in this whole story of the book of Esther, he stayed in a position to watch over Esther the entire time. And in the midst of that, as he was standing there, it says in verse 20 uh, of this same chapter, Now Esther had not revealed her family or her people, just as Mordecai had charged her. For Esther obeyed the command of Mordecai as she was brought up by him. In those days, while Mordecai sat within the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, Bigtham and Teresh, doorkeepers, became furious and sought to lay hands on King 
Asherus. So the matter became known to Mordecai, who told Queen Esther, and Esther informed the king in Mordecai's name. And when an inquiry was made into the matter, it was confirmed, and both were hanged on a gallows. It was written in the book of Chronicles in the presence of the king. Now, two things there. He stayed with Esther and protected Esther even from the outside because he loved her. This was his daughter, and he loved her. He was on assignment from God. I don't know at that point that he realized it, but in that place, he was made aware of something that he was able to warn the king about, which ended up written in the Chronicles. Everything that we do is written in heaven. Everybody said, everything I do is written in heaven. You know, now this today is, don't forget, your labor is not in vain. You know, sometimes the things that we're doing, we feel like, why am I even doing this? Does it even benefit me? Mordecai is walking back and forth, not going to be any benefit to him. It's not something he's doing for himself. He's not doing this because of what he's going to gain. He's doing this to protect Esther. He's just watching over his daughter. You know, sometimes as parents, you can feel like, I know I've been there, where, you know, is this even working? Whether it's just prayer, you know, now, Lori would not like me to stand outside her house and just walk up and down the sidewalk to make sure she's all right. But how many of you have walked up and down in your house (laughs) praying over a situation, hoping that something good is happening in that situation when you know in your heart, in the natural, it could be not good? That's Mordecai. He's not doing it for him. He's not doing it because he's going to become anything. He's just doing this. Now, in chapter 3, this is where we run into um, the hater. Uh, After these things, King Asherus promoted Haman, Haman the hater. Everybody say that, Haman the hater, because you all know some, the son of uh, whoever, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes who were with him. And all the king's servants who were within the king's gates bowed and paid homage to Haman, for so the king had commanded concerning him. But Mordecai would not bow. Or pay homage. Then the king's servants who were within the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why do you transgress the king's command? Now it happened when they spoke to him daily and he would not listen to them that they told it to Haman, the hater, to see whether Mordecai's words would stand, for Mordecai had told them that he was a Jew. And Jews did not bow to anyone except the king of kings, the Lord of lords. And so he would not bow. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow or pay him homage, Haman was filled with wrath. Everybody say this. He became a hater. He had disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had told him of the people of Mordecai. Instead, Haman the hater sought to destroy all the Jews. Does that sound familiar? Remember the other hater? Hitler, the hater sought to destroy all the Jews who were throughout the whole kingdom of Asherah, the people of Mordecai. When people get their hate on, they'll begin to hate not just you, but they begin to hate everybody. Now, this happens if we put the hate on too. But today I'm going to get it off of you and say there's a hater hating on you, okay? But the same applies if we do the same thing. Everybody say, don't put the hate on. 
And that's what happens with unforgiveness. That's what happens when we take offense. That's what happens when we decide that we are going to take care of what was done to us when we can't take care of it at all. We have to stay in love. And so Mordecai would not bow to this guy. So in verse 10, it says, So the king took his signet, signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman. Why? Because Haman said, Let's make a day where we kill all the Jews. And the king said, well, just do whatever you think. Because Haman was his right-hand person. And so he said to Haman, now, just take for a moment, the devil tells all his demonic spirits what to do. They take that assignment and they do it. Whatever they want to do, because there's powers and principalities that are exalting themselves against the knowledge of God right now in our nation, in your house, in your neighbor's house, and all over the world. And so that's exactly what happened here. The king had all his confidence in this man. He just handed him his signet ring. Now, the signet ring was the, the permission of the king to do whatever, and it sealed it, and it could not be changed. And so he gave that ring to Haman, the son of and, and the enemy of the Jews. And king said to Haman, the money and the people are given to you. Do with them as seems good to you. And so this edict was issued that on a certain day, all the Jews would be killed. Now, Haman has just been promoted to a real high position with the king. And so he thinks he's really important. And, and in this position, he has authority. Everybody say authority. Now, it says in chapter 4, when Mordecai learned all that had happened, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city. He cried out with a loud and bitter cry. He went as far as the front of the king's gate, for no one might enter the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And he began to mourn this edict because he was a Jew. Everybody say he was a lover of his people. He, he, was, he was full of God, and he began to mourn what was happening to his people. Now, as he did that, here comes Mordecai, and, and Mordecai uh, is very upset with, with, or I mean, Haman's already upset with Mordecai, but Mordecai comes and tells Esther, you're going to have to do something about this because you are a Jew. So you're going to have to go to the king and you're going to have to tell the king that what's going on, what's really being done. Well, she'd already done that once, if you remember the story of the two guys. So she'd already been to the king. But this time she said, nobody goes to the king unless he extends the scepter or they'll die. And Mordecai says, you don't have to do this. But if you don't do it, everybody say, if you don't do it, then what makes you think you won't die? And she said, she told everybody to fast and pray, and she would go, if I perish, I perish. Everybody say, if I perish, I perish. Love will require your life. Love requires your life. Love requires us laying down our life for whoever it is that God's told us that he wants to take care of. And she did. And so did Mordecai. And so did Mordecai. Because he put his life in a very vulnerable position. And he was already in trouble with Haman. Now, this is the good part of the story. Because I believe this is where a lot of us are. And I believe this is where God is in our, 
in, in where we are right now. Um, everybody say the good guys and the haters. <laughs> we have good guys in our nation, and we have haters. And the haters are in darkness. Everybody say they're in darkness. That's what John said. They're in darkness. They're not, they're not being that way because God made them that way. They're that way because they have believed lies. They have believed things that were not true, and now they're full of that hate, and they continue to hate on people. And so it says Esther, uh, she did go to the king. He, he did accept her, and she, he said, what would you like? I'll give you up to half the kingdom. And she said, I just want to have a banquet. I want you and Haman to come, Haman the hater, to come to dinner. So they go. They have the, uh, the banquet, and then she says, he, the king says, what is it that you wanted to ask me? She said, well, I just have one more request. Would you come tomorrow to a banquet, you and Haman, tomorrow, and I will tell you what it is that I wanted to ask you. And the king says, okay. Haman is so excited. He goes home. He tells his wife, listen, I have found favor. This is 5-8 in the sight of the king. And if it pleases the king to grant me my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet, which I prepare for them tomorrow, and I will do as the king said. So Haman went out that day joyful with a glad heart. But when Haman the hater saw Mordecai, everybody say hate is always there. <laughs> hate is always there. It, it's underneath. It's, it's down in there. And so he, he said uh, when he saw him at the gate, he did not stand or tremble before him. Mordecai just sat there. He was filled with indignation. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself, went home, and he sent for his friends and his wife, and he told them the great riches, multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him and how he had advanced him above the officials and servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, besides, Queen Esther has invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her along with the king. He is just so excited. Haman the hater thinks he is it for the king and the queen. Yet all this avails me nothing. See, even in the midst of his greatest victory, he's still mad about Mordecai because he's got his hate on. And so he says, yet all this avails me nothing so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. So his brilliant wife says, and all his friends, let a gallows be made, 50 cubits high, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. <laughs> you know, go kill, go kill who's bothering you. Get rid of the person you're hating on, and then go enjoy yourself. How many of you felt like, I think if they could get rid of me, they'd be really happy? How many of you ever felt like if I could get rid of them? I would be really happy. We can't go there. Everybody say, don't go there. Because God has a plan. Now, this is what it says. That night, the king couldn't sleep. So one was commanded to bring the book of the records of the Chronicles, and they were read before the king, and it was found written that Mordecai had told of these two men, the king's eunuchs, who had been the doorkeepers, and how they had spoken against the king because they were going to try to kill him. And the king said, what honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And the king's servants said, nothing's been done. And so the king said, well, who's in the court? Guess who's in the court? Haman the hater. So Haman the hater, he calls him in, and he says, um, Haman came in, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Of course, Haman thinks it's him. He thinks he is just it. I mean, this is his time. 
And so he proceeds to say, well, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought with the king that the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which is in the royal crest, with, has a royal crest on his head. Let, then let his robe and his horse be delivered to the hand of the one, the king's, one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the parade a parade for him on horseback through the city and proclaim before him, thus it shall be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. And the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse as you've suggested and do so for Mordecai. Can you see Haman the hater? (laughs) The Jew who sits within the king's gate, leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. I know the king did not understand the Jew thing because Mordecai was a Jew and he's about to honor him, but he's issued a decree through Haman that's going to kill them all. Everybody say deception is real. And so, and it says, leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, led him on horseback through the city square and proclaimed before him, thus shall it be to the man whom the king delights to honor. Can you imagine how hard it was for him to choke out those words? Blessed be the man. You know, I'm sure he was not happy. Afterwards, Mordecai went back to the king's gate, but Haman hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. When Haman told his wife, this brilliant wife he had, and all his friends, everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife said to him, now they are wise. If Mordecai, before, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent. Everybody say, the victory belongs to Jesus. If that's the case, you will not prevail against him, but shall surely fall before him. Everybody say, haters never win. They never win. Whether it's somebody hating on you or you hating on someone, there's no win win in that situation. We have to walk with God. Long story short, it says when they, when they got to the banquet, uh, they, they built the gallows, and then it's ready for Mordecai, who now his wife encouraged him to build it, and his friends now says, you're just going <laughs> to, you're going to die because you've taken on a Jew. So King Asherus answered and said to Queen, to the queen, because she said, someone has done this to destroy and kill our people. He said, who is he and where is he? And she said, it's that wicked Haman. And the king went, left, came back, and the word, uh, it says, and then the king said, will he also assault the queen? While he was gone, Haman's begging the queen, gets on the couch by the queen, begging her, so the king's upset about that. Next thing you know, Haman's hanged. Everybody say, hateful Haman, hanged. <laughs> Haters will hang themselves by their actions. Um, but what happened to Mordecai? Well, it says, on that day, King Asherus gave Queen Esther the house of Haman and the, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai became the king. For Esther had told the king how he was related. The king took off his signet ring and gave it to Mordecai. Are you getting this? The one who loves always wins. Mordecai never retaliated against Haman. 
He didn't do anything to Haman, but he wouldn't bow to Haman. Are you getting this? This is where we are. I believe God spoke to me. This is where the nation is. This is where the world is. But this is not the time for us to start bowing down to what is being done. This is our time to remain in position because haters will lose because God is not a God of hate. He's a God of love. And so in the end, in chapter 10, it says at the very end, the last verse, for Mordecai the Jew was second to King Asherus and was great among the Jews and well-received by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. In the end, he was exalted to the position that God needed him in. Esther was already the queen, and Haman was defeated. I believe, I believe it's a word of the Lord today. Your labor is not in vain. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain. Um, when I read this story, the verse in Romans, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? I believe that we're in a day where that has to really get in our heart. If God be for us, who can be against us? Um, I've read this story all these years. I've read through the Bible, and I've never felt like God has spoken to me about it like that. But I've never felt that our world is full of such uh, angst, you know. Um, I mean, it's beyond just upset with people. There's an anger and a hate that's unreasonable. It doesn't even make sense what people are saying and doing. I remember when Lori was little and John and Matt, we would come home from Tulsa. We had a little car, and all three of them would be in the back seat. And Lori's, Lori was always saying, the boys are agonizing me. They're agonizing me, Mom. They're agonizing me. Well, you know, it's gone past agonizing. It's like a spirit that starts there but finishes with hate. And the more you speak truth, the more hateful that hate becomes. So what do we do? I believe this is what we do. Ephesians six ten, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, knowing that your fight is not with people. It's with powers and principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge, which is knowing God. Everybody say, knowing God. See, we've subtly removed knowing God from, from our world. And so the world that just didn't know Jesus has gone even beyond to where they're now aggressive in their fight against Jesus, against the name, against the things of God. And so then it says uh, that we're just, when we've done all, could you put that scripture up for me, Reuben? Ephesians 6.10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in, of this age. Remember, the darkness is where the haters live. Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, everybody say withstand, in the evil day. And this is the end of it. Having done all to stand, stand. Everybody say stand. We have to continue to stay in the position that God has put us in, no matter how hard it gets. I'm going to leave you with this scripture, Proverbs 24.10. It says that if we faint in the day of adversity, it's 
everybody say adversity. The adversity is um, a state or instance of serious or continued difficulty or misfortune. And that's what we're standing in right now. Adverse circumstances, which is acting against or in contrary direction, hostile, opposed to one's interest. And this is what, can you put that up for me, Reuben? Uh, Proverbs 24.10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. It says be strong in the Lord. So what do we do to strengthen ourselves? Well, the joy of the Lord is our strength. That means we're not overtaken by what we see. But also, the word of God will make you stronger. The word of God will fortify you on the inside. And it's taking in the word like we've never taken in the word before to stand in the evil day. Um, I just, I'm just going to share this example because I believe it's true. It, about four years ago, I really believe the devil put the hate on me, put the hate on my husband before that with trying to attack him with sickness and disease. Everybody say, that's putting the hate on. When there comes things to, to steal, kill, and destroy, that is the hater putting the hate on people. Now, love is the only thing that will overcome that. That means regardless of what happens, we continue to be like Jesus and hold our ground, be steadfast and movable. And that's the scripture I heard. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding knowing that your labor will not be in vain. Um, at that time, my dad and my mom uh, had a situation where I had to work with getting them moved into a nursing home, which was a huge thing to do. Now, I don't believe the devil did that. I believe that their age and circumstances just brought that. But against my life, in order for my strength to be strong and my strength to be great, that began to take my strength. And so I had to give to that. And then uh, I took over all their finances, took over all their medications, took over all their doctor stuff. And uh, my brother and sister were there. My brother's overseas. Chris, Chris loves my mom and dad, but those are not her gifts. So she just loved on them. But I did the other stuff. She said, you do all that stuff and I'll, take, I'll love on them. I'll play with them. I said, okay. Because everybody needs everything, you know, but, but it began to take my strength. I didn't realize it. Then at that same time, uh, Corey left, John left, my nephew came who had been on drugs, moved in with us. All this is happening all this, all the same time. My mother and daddy are moved, you know, and I, so I got my mother calling me and my daddy calling me and, and, and then pastor Bill, you know, the devil starts putting that sickness stuff against him. And so there he goes, and there goes my mom and dad, and, and, and then it's the church. And it was like, I don't have any strength left. And that's when God said to me, we've done this before. Years ago, I had the same thing happen to me. But he said, pass this test. And the word he gave me was multiplication, correction for multiplication, correction for multiplication. It's like the word that the king had written in the Chronicles. You know, what word did God give you last? What word did God tell you about your sin? What word did God say? If you don't have a word from God, you are going down. Now, you know, you may say, well, that was a bad report. It's the truth. If you get in devil territory, I can't help you. Nobody can help you. Only the word can help you. Only Jesus can help you in that place. And so in that place... It, it, it really took 
It, it went on for a year. Everybody say a full year. That whole cycle went on for a year. And all of those things began to take my strength. When I came out of that year, I didn't know if I was going to make it. Now, it didn't change that I stood up here and said what I had to say. I mean, you might have noticed that I cried every now and then, but I, you know, you can cry and keep going. Revelation, folks. Cry and keep going. But in the inner person, I know without a doubt it was the love of God that he told me back in Tulsa in 1979. I'm going to fill you with my love, and you will never, ever be afraid. I felt afraid. I felt scared, but I believe that love never let me hate, never let me get upset with why did somebody do this to me. Now, I had times where I cried and said that, but it never overtook me. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's situations all of us face that make us feel like we're going down. But what has to happen is that song, when I heard that man singing that song, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to him. There's an anointing on that song. And the more you sing it and the more you say it, that's what has to happen. Love has to overcome evil. It's not people. It's the devil puts the hate on. Let's stand today. I believe the devil's put the hate on a lot of families uh, in the last, just in the last few years. I believe he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy the seed. Everybody say the seed. You know, he, he's tried to steal my seed. He, I'm sure my mother would say that about situations. Uh, I'm sure my kids will say that about their children. Everybody say the devil is a hater. He is a hater. He is a hater. But with the love of God and the truth of the word, we can overcome.